We're live. We're live. We're on, live. On, yeah. on, on where there's a will. Live again. Oh, once again at the where there's a will podcast. Right. I'm here with Nate to to keep the numbers up. He's got to he's got to he's got to stay on par with Cassandra at the moment. She's uh, running away with most podcasts recorded. I've also got some amazing background noise that I'm going to fix right now. Yeah, sounds great. Sort it out. I think. I hope. We'll see. Did you just close your door? <laughs> close my window. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, this this is keeping. Oh, I can't wait to put Joe's little audio track on the front. I don't know if you've heard it. I probably there'd be absolutely zero way that you would have heard it. So I don't know how yeah, I, I expected know. you to to have, have heard, heard of it. But um. But yeah, Joe made me a little a little track to use mm-hmm. for the start. So this is. Oh, I look forward to hearing it. Yeah, we get slightly more professional. Although the whole track is just me talking about how unprofessional I am as a podcaster. So I I, I quite like the irony of it. Is it gonna? Is this the first one that this is gonna be on? Well, no. I plan to release Cass's third episode today. Okay, and that's gonna be that's gonna be the first one. Yeah, and then. If everything's going according to plan, this one will come out next week probably and will contain me talking about how unprofessional I am, followed by a podcast with me talking about how unprofessional I am. Hi, listeners. This is Will, not the professional. Um, (laughs) Oh, and I'm spiking. Excellent. Um, Just to prove the point. Uh, Anyway, I'm here with Nate, who's been on a few times, so you might as well introduce yourself again, just in case this is someone's first listen with you. Hey, I'm Nate. uh, I'm a... um budding concept artist that have just graduated from Falmouth University. Um, yeah, that's that's me. That's Nate. I don't think I need anyone on that. <laughs> no, I'm really worried that you're not recording, so I'm just going to do a quick stop and check that you are being recorded. Okay. Start recording again. We are recording again! Okay, that yeah. minor, minor pause was... I love the way that I've literally listened back to you go, yeah, three times, and it's like flawlessly on brand, man. Um... <laughs> <laughs> It's so, the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are you, Nate? Explain it to the u- the, the universe at large. The universe. Uh, yeah, I'm Nate Bedford. I just uh, graduated from. Um, well, I've finished. I, I've, I've yet to find out whether I've graduated. I found with university. Um, I am a specialist in concept artist. Uh, I've just finished working on a project called uh, Planetary Breast Control with a team called Danger Zone uh, that will also play a part in uh, making. I did some stuff. I didn't really. I can't take much credit. I'll uh, I'll have a mention, an honourable mention. <laughs> an honourable mention. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I am currently looking for work. Yeah, give him uh, a job, uh, everyone. Contest. Yeah, give me a job. That's the yeah, you know, if there for some reason some some random art director just pops onto the podcast and is like, ah, we need a concept artist who is cool, and <laughs> diligent, and works hard. They will have Nate Bedford at top of their listening. Brain. I don't know if that's a thing. Is the listening brain a thing? I think it is. I right? think we have multiple brains, sort of within our brains. Uh, I think we've got like a good, a good ten different brains. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, just knocking about in there. Do you think? What well, is it like a part? Maybe like meta- metaphorical. Are they like? Is, is it like inside, inside out? Like the actual manifested little little people running Persona- around? Personifications of, of maybe. I don't know whether I see them as like little characters, like in that sort of way, but I think maybe more like ethereal beings. Mm. And then we like, yeah. And those little beings have like ability to talk to the consciousness field that per- persists around us and perceive what's happening through their own little viewports. And yeah, we've gone very esoteric very quickly. I today. don't know why I decided to start on this note. <laughs> <laughs> on this particular podcast but obviously that's what's going on in my brain right now is that yeah we should see it through sir i still want to see yeah. your your youtube channel where you just tell nate bedford's version or interpretation of classic myths from mythoses around the world we were talking about that for a while for a bit because do you remember that time when we stood outside uh and we were out for a lecture and i just like basically got a crowd of people around me yeah and i was just telling uh, was it like a Hindu myth? You were telling some story of some, yeah, I think it was Hindu. It was about the guy who spent like a hundred years in a cave, and it was just, it was just really entertaining. Everyone was enthralled, and uh, and I was, and I was like, also just like butchering it half to death. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I I don't know the original story, but I'm sure if someone was a scholar on it, they'd be like spinning in their chair on how many yeah. points you were just incorrect on. But like to us, it was it was gospel. Yeah, it's like that. That is how the how the myth worked, and yeah, it's hundred percent how it, how it went. I think you should do it, man. I think it would show off your your interest in these myths because you do have a clear interest in them. Yeah, I just got I just purchased. Um, so I've been saying that I'm I'm currently listening to um, Stephen Fry's Heroes, and um, I obviously really like Norse mythology, and I've read Stephen Fry's current book. I also have um, a book about uh, called Between Worlds, which is like the British Isles mythology book. Um, I think it's like kind of written for like younger readers, but it's a good way to sort of get into it and. Um, uh, I, but I got recently the, sorry, one second. Okay. Am I going to have to fill time? Oh no. Will, on his own, talking to an audience with no guest. Well, how is everyone doing? How are you today? It's been a long week. How was your week? Really? That's interesting. Sorry. No, it's okay. I, I was I, talking to the audience. I think they enjoyed it. I don't know. They told me something very interesting, so. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. Um, I've really lost my train of thought. Um, myths, myths, and stories. So through Nate's moniker, released on YouTube yeah. with pretty animation and and gorgeous renderings of the characters that Nate has created. Yeah, and I'm without sure referencing, I like I'd this idea. I'd be able to pump that out a week, like week by week, while still. I was thinking daily. Yeah, sure. Just daily, just a whole new myth or story with an animation. <laughs> Have you got a job then? Did someone call you? Was that what it was? Is that where you had to go? No, no. It was, uh, uh, unfortunately, because of coronavirus, I had to move back in with my mother and she came into the room. Ah. Um, and, and so I asked me questions and I was sort of frantically looking for the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't hear anything, so your, your secrets with your mother are safe. Okay. Um, it wasn't anything private, it was just like, it felt really unprofessional. <laughs> well, don't worry, man, the whole start of this podcast was about how unprofessional it is, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I purchased, um, with like my, my audio audio credit, um, a book on Mesopotamian... Mesopotamian? Mesopotamian? Um, mythology the other day, so I'm really looking forward to sort of sitting down and going through that. Oh yeah, I don't. Mm, I can't say where is Mesopotamia. It was like, was it? Uh, I mean, it's not anywhere anymore, but it's it. It's sort of sort of Greek way, Greece. Mm. Um, but I think it's older than Greek. Oh, Greek um, Middle East, like Middle Easty kind of area. Yeah, Middle Easty way. I'm gonna give it a. I, it might actually be. I might be completely wrong. Actually, I think it might be Iran. I'll, I'll have a look right now. Mm. Uh, I feel like those places moved around their borders a lot over the course of history. Oh, okay, so, really sorry for anybody who's listening and, and knows this, but uh, it's now Monday Iraq. Basically. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so it is sort of like a, um, uh, yeah, Middle Eastern, um, ancient uh, uh, civilization. It's where, it's where, um... it's where, God. Babylon used to be. Ah, there he is. Babylon. I, I just, I was on the tip of my tongue and I was like, what, what's the, it's B something. Yeah, Babylon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, the only two myths I know about Mesopotamia are, um, uh, so, there's Marduk, which is sort of the, the, so the creation myth with Mesopotamia was that like, there was two bodies of water and one of them like being, um, the and you know with, with all of this it's like uh one of them being male one of them being female one of them being order one being chaos and etc etc um the uh so the female chaotic energy which was i want to say the was the the fresh water uh was tiamat uh who was also personified as a, as a dragon of chaos and um, then the other, the male order, 
um, who was the saltwater being, um, was Abzu. And um, the uh, the gods, um, much like in uh, much like in Greek mythology, where the gods then killed the one of the creations, Titans. No, the Titans, the the lesser Titans, the the sons of of the the sort of creationist Titans, killed the creationist Titan, right? The the the, the first giant, uh, much like that. Uh, the gods killed. Um, the the male uh, Abzu, mm. and um, because of that, then the Dragon of Chaos Tiamat sort of like sought to destroy them, and um, the way I've always like kind of seen it is that each god is a representation of a certain aspect of humankind. And, um, and and if anybody's read Jordan Peterson, this is kind of like his interpretation of it as well, um, and it's where I've got it from. Uh, like they send uh, a god out one by one to try and slay the dragon, basically, and all of them come back and and weren't successful. Mm. And eventually, they create uh, Marduk, who is. Uh, a god that has eyes all around his all around his head, and uh, can speak magical words, and um, they uh, send Marduk out, and Marduk cuts up the the dragon of chaos, uh, Tiamat, uh, and makes the world out of her body, um, which is a very brief, very very brief version of that story. But um, and there's that, and then there's uh, uh, the Chronicles of Gilgamesh, which mm. I, I I know of, um, which is also a really that's a that's even a longer story to be honest. It's it's a yeah, it's a I, big I, one. It's really funny because I don't think that I knew that Tiamat came from uh, Mesopotamian influence, and so it's really interesting because it's like I've played with Tiamat a bunch of times in Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, she's quite a common name that pops up, but I had no idea the origin. And then to hear you say Abzu, and I'm like, oh, I've played the yeah. game Abzu. Hey, yeah, um, yeah. And it's like an ocean, right? So like, um, it's a, it like and he you is bring the... order to the 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 area. You you bring life. You bring mm-hmm. like Abzu. Like is also like the ocean that is under everything, and is the he's the saltwater like creationist god. Um, so it makes sense that like there's a game based on swimming around, create, bringing order to the area called Abzu, right? Yeah, that's good writing. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought it? Those people, those writers, God, they do a hard job. Yeah. Because like, I think you know, as in some ways, like the most on a team, probably their work is subject to butchery. Because yeah. Because it's such a nuanced thing, right? Mm -hmm. You can make, like... It can be... Like, writing is so difficult because there's such a fine line for something to just sound stupid and really clever. Mm -hmm. Like, like, there's such a fine line between, like, sounding clever and trying to sound clever or being funny or just being cringy. Oh, yeah. Funny's probably the hardest one, right? Yeah, and... You almost like have to take it seriously, yourself seriously, but not too seriously. And I don't know. God, God help them. Oh, they do such an amazing job, though. Like they build the world before you have one. Yeah, it's exactly. their words that create it, and then you have to go in and be like, okay, yeah, but gi- a giant creature made of lava is actually going to be a nightmare for our team to make. So can you change it to something else? <laughs> right, like. Yeah. I can't even imagine, like, I mean, concept art is kind of like that, right? Like, you have to just be completely unattached to what people do with the work that you're creating because, like, 95% of it is not even, not even never going to, like, make it into the game, but it's, like, not even going to see the light of day because it's not for that. It's to show the art director what you meant or, like, or to demonstrate how a hinge works on a door for a spaceship, like... 
It's exactly. No one cares like, about seeing that shit apart from you know no, people who. Oh, there are concept artists or and, you know, people who make games and that sort of find that side of things interesting. Yeah, and that's what's so frustrating when you work. Kind of like what we've just come out of of like working on um, the games that we've been making. Uh, I got a lot of the concept art that I did. I did a lot of concept art for Planetary Press Control. Um, but a lot of it was just really quick sketches, stuff that like, you know, someone come up to me and I'd have like three or four jobs already going on and they'd be like, so we need like a concept for like this. And I was like, right, okay, give me like, give me till the end of the day. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, crazy I, speed I, I, turnaround as well as, the yeah, show. it was, it was like, I need to cut every corner that I possibly can and work, work like very very streamlined and it was going to be work that only got saw by you know the environment artists or or this and the other and i i post my work on my on the rookies uh and only really some of it only really the character stuff um but it was a big leap for me because i knew that like this isn't work that you show anybody outside of production you know what i mean yeah um, but i kind of wanted to to kind of have that um uh on display because that is a big part of what i do i suppose um yeah well from what i've heard from what i've listened to of people who do concept etc like one of the key things they want to see is how you work things out on a page and how you create an idea from nothing because it's all well and good being able to render something to the nth degree but to see all of the different variations that you came up with earlier that's way more important for a concept artist because you're not showing it to people who don't know. Uh, you're showing it to people who do know, and they don't care that, okay, yeah, the, the the ellipse on the end of the gun isn't perfect, but, like, for what we're doing right now with colour palettes, that's really not important. It's, like, what we're trying to see is, like, how the different shapes and the different forms of the... of They can see through the, the sketchiness of the concept art, right? So they can... And it also... You know, as as Scott Robertson always puts it, it's like you can't fake the fundamentals, right? So if you can do a quick sketch and it's planted on the ground and no one's looking at it because the perspective's off on the on the on the shape of the door or whatever, um, then it in a quick sketch you can't hide that, right? You can you can cover that up and build like three D blockouts and get the perspective right through you know correct use of of tools, but to just do a quick doodle, um, it sort of shows everything they need to see, right? Yeah, yeah, and like, um, yeah, you like, and and that is what like concept art is about, right? It's like, um, every piece should be like answering a question, and um, something I ran into pretty early on, I was like, how am I meant to have a complete character turn around with the textures, like? Showing, showing the textures and showing the form and and like I, I realized that like one sheet can't do this like mm-hmm. one design can't do this and I can't design what this thing's gonna look like you know what the texture on this is gonna be like at, or like what the decal is gonna say and stuff like that but also think about like how the arm works on this robot or how like this window bevels on this thing so like you have different sheets for like different um answers almost different design passes different design problems exactly yeah you have like a functionality pass and a um a texture pass and, and it, it was kind of two constraints kind of like right like i don't mean to cut you off but like it no, feels no. like that's just what you're saying is something that's so often i think is uh i don't know i don't i guess it's sort of more of like a a beginner mind state of like i want to design everything right and like and it's Mm -hmm. a noble goal but it's not until you've actually tried to design everything a few times and it's like i'm just gonna do like five or six different designs and you try and do all the textures you do all the lighting you do all the rendering you do all of the and you just it's so hard to get them all to a consistent point that looks like that concept art which isn't actually concept art that's illustration art which is an entirely different thing but gets jumbled in with concept art as if it's the same um and yeah and as you say it's it's about having that constraint of like i'm only doing thumbnails and they're not bigger than a thumbnail 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, so many people say, oh, these are my thumbnails. It's like, how big did you draw these? Like, was it actually a thumbnail? Did you use the exercise for the point it was supposed to be for? Like, did you use a massive brush and just block in shapes so that you got your composition together? Or did you try and render out six different drawings with, like, proper perspective and proper lighting and, like, build a block yeah. out for them? Because that's not concept art, because that took you... Even the best artists in the world, they're still going to take them, like, a, a week, a couple weeks, when, like you say, often it's like, I need this design done by, you know, uh, 25 minutes ago. Um, so whenever you could... <laughs> get on that yeah (laughs) um yeah exactly and like working in a working in a pipeline isn't as as glamorous as i think i've definitely thought it would be when i when i first arrived like when i first came to university um but it's also it's not what i thought it'd be but also it's exactly what i want it's 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 agile it's tactile it's working with people it's working on ideas it's trying things out it's everything what i really enjoy about creating things mm-hmm. uh, that i sort of you know there are there are people out there who are even like you know sort of uh work who are in the academy or are on sort of the same sort of level as us um who, yeah, do these sort of beautiful illustrations and stuff that you see in concept art books and online, like, you know, when a game gets released and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And I I do get that that that's like a nicer thing to see just generally. It's aesthetically, it's more aesthetically pleasing, but like, it's, for the most part, like, it's not like anything that I create, like, like I create. It's, I, um, I love making stuff to look nice, but um, I also really... I, I, I think I prefer making stuff that gets to serve a project effectively. Yeah, which is a, which is a paradigm shift that I think is entirely necessary. Um, and I think it's entirely necessary not just for concept artists, although probably a lot for concept artists, because as, you know, as someone who also came to the Academy thinking, oh, I want to be a concept artist... you you don't know what it is like i looked it up i looked up loads um and i still didn't quite understand how much work it was until i started trying to do it until i started Mm -hmm. trying to like work on things for a project and uh yeah it's illuminating uh just how much you're expected to be able to draw in a such a short time frame absolutely and to a certain level of quality where people understand it. Because I was doing concepts for people, but like I'd hand it off to a 3D modeler and my concept was just like unfinished. Uh, he didn't have enough information to, to create the object that I'd designed. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and it's... I mean, fortunately, I found a, a, a thing that's uh, in much higher demand than... Because like, concept art is one of the more competitive roles in the industry. Um, yeah. But, you know the sidestep to VFX has been a, a very enjoyable one. But even in like VFX, even in everything, I think in the game's uh, pipeline, we all look at this amazing stuff like, oh my God, I wish I could make that or I wish I could make that. But what you don't see highlighted in the same way is the like, okay, we made like 15 bushes today um, <laughs> and they are not perfect, but they are in and they don't stand out too much because a lot of the time it's about what serves the game, what needs to be put in for the game to be completed um, within a time frame, within a budget normally. Like those are the other two huge things that don't even get brought up uh, that yeah. much in the Academy. Yeah. Time frame should be brought up more, but people are so reluctant to talk about time frame. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I think it's... The problem with maybe maybe one of the one of the big factors as to why getting into the games industry is so hard is that it's hard to document all of this and and not feel like you're just like you could do a thousand little jobs a day you know what I mean like and make it, progress well not feel like you've made much progress but you have and yeah you know like to the untrained eye maybe your game looks exactly the same but like you know what those little things that you've changed and um it's kind of hard to sort of document those it's also like with the with um they're kind of in that like the, the, the same sort of 
process of thinking is those conversations you have with your team like just as like a sidebar and you find yourself getting like roped into them and then you go huh like i've spent 45 percent of the day talking to people but also really understand a lot more what, what i need to do and what's necessary for me to do um now um and i wouldn't be able to be more effective in my job without those conversations yeah. But you're not going to put them in like your CV. Go well. I had some great conversations. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, maybe you should, right? Maybe like highlighting the fact that we have to communicate because, it, as you say, it's so important. Like, if you don't communicate with your team on a mm. regular basis about the progress of the game and consistently check in with what you predicted and what you think was possible and what you actually achieved, then you're just never going to finish the project that you wanted to start like it's it's one of the key things that time like in game development is just time time is such the only resource that really matters like how much time do you have to put onto this because you could keep working on it forever for most games i think like yeah so like you're very lucky if you've scoped well enough to be like this is the time frame and when we've done all that the game will be exactly where we want it to be to release it and it be done yeah Oh, you'd be lucky if that were to happen. Um, but yeah, nearly always problems arise. Things go quicker than you expected, but then also a lot of things don't go quicker than you expected. And then you have to be like, which of these four things that we thought would take this long and are actually taking this long do we have to kill? Like, which one has to go? Because we're not going to be able to do all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, it was, and it's funny because with planetary best control, it... It was a weird one because we almost had, we almost like underscoped and then, um, but like polished the thing. We, we were like, we want, we wanted like a certain amount of stuff in the game and we were like, well, this is a reasonable amount. And we really try to be smart about what we were putting into the game right at the start. But, um, we were really adamant that we wanted to execute those things really well. And even with being reasonable and thinking about, about it that way, um, I, th I think we, we really stretched ourselves at, at certain points. Probably stretched yourself too much at points. Me personally, yeah. Yeah. I was there for it, man. There were a couple of weeks there where you were just tired. And I was like, yeah. great, man, take a break. You're like, I can't. We've got to work. But then again, you know, I'm guilty of doing that as well. It's kind of easily done when you're making a game out of passion. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure everybody else on my team were, were like, kind of was like that as well at points. But um, I can only really talk for myself. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I, your team worked exceptionally hard on that game for the most... Like, for most of the year to be honest yeah and um it you know i well i like to think it, it's it's gonna pay off uh, when we get our mark back but oh you don't know. screw the marks man fuck that shit that's not important it's when we go to the expo and everyone's like who the fuck made this game we want to give you the jobs because that is all that we think about right nate like my life is just jerb no. yeah <laughs> I was actually having like a bit of a, a sort of sit down and because um, I mean I don't want to go too much into it because I don't know how much I can say about it but um, you know as we, we discussed before we didn't really want to talk about it but like landing an interview um, this week uh, was really exciting but also like because like, cause I was very much in the mindset of like I am at least a year away from getting an interview. Oh yeah, me too. I was like, I'm gonna submit my reel. Six months of submitting a like, you know, cut something together, but like spend the next six months recutting it. If I don't get any interest back in the first month, and then uh, then resubmit, and then yeah, I thought that would probably fail as well. So you just yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy. And you thought you were like, like I don't know about you, but I, I thought I was like gonna have to take several passes at like sending my portfolio off to people, and then before anyone even sent me an email back. Yeah, without just like, I remember I was like sat on like a, on the chair reading, and I was like, oh, I've got an, I got a, uh, 
write an email here, and I, I even said like out loud, like sarcastically, it's like, thank you very much for your submission, but unfortunately this, and then literally I got through that. that thank you very much statement. Like, I, I got half through that through that sentence, and I was like, I stopped, and I was like, uh, we would like to take this forward into an interview. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> and then I um. Uh, um, but then I had to sort of sit with it myself and go, like, I, I don't know how to, how to put this without, without it sounding like really cheesy, but it's probably going to sound cheesy either way. Um, like, what do you do when you achieve this goal that you've set out for yourself and you thought it would take so many had so much time and you achieve it and then what? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of get to just like, okay, well, I want to be a concept artist by the time I'm 30. And then at 26, you get an interview to be a concept artist. Yeah, um, right. Which isn't, which by no, by no means, and I'm like, it's a sure thing. Like, if anything, I think I'm probably not going to get it. But like, how do you then deal with, um, how do you deal with like success, in anything, if anything? Yeah. Um, or realizing that maybe even if you're not quite where you need to be right now, you are not anywhere near as far away as you thought you were. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's like cresting the top of the mountain and then look at the map and checking it and being like, shit, we did an extra 20 miles today. I don't understand. Like, I don't yeah. remember walking that. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful feeling, man. It's a beautiful feeling. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I also going to keep very candid on it, but, like, I've got got myself a little art test which is uh I, I love the way we were like we're not going to talk about this before the podcast then you immediately just have to start talking about it <laughs> well it's the thing that's going on right now right yeah right i know and it's so it's it's exactly what you said man it's like the the feeling of i was a hundred percent ready to not even receive like I, I was ready to not even receive the um the like sorry you didn't even get you didn't get picked email do you know what i mean like i was i was under the impression it was so like busy and stuff that they wouldn't even bother to get back to you most of the time um maybe covid helped out in this respect uh one maybe more, maybe people have got a little bit more time to check their emails and uh and they need a, a little bit more help than they expected because everyone's gone remote and productivity's down a little bit um so maybe Change in that it. respect we've uh you know there's one upside to covid <laughs> um but yeah as a as an aside, it's just yeah to be looked at and have them go yeah that's uh, that's a portfolio that shows some promise let's uh, let's take this forward even if it doesn't go anywhere and it takes another six months to find a job it's not like I'm going to stop but like if anything I think it should just be taken as major encouragement and um, you know rejuvenating that energy that both you and I I think sort of I mean I've still been I didn't really stop working when I finished uh, like I finished and then I took like my week off or whatever and carried on doing stuff and then immediately got asked to do some some stuff for the uh for the academy uh which was which has been really really fun but so i haven't really taken a, a proper break um yeah. from having I... days on uh, yeah and so i don't know but i think there's that sort of lull that everyone gets right post-grad lull where it's just like ah oh, geez it's all over now what do i do what do i apply for jobs i guess and then um you know you sort of trained to be expectant of no response like don't be upset if that happens right and just keep trying but then to get some responses like oh this is surreal where do i what do i think of myself you know <laughs> yeah yeah and like i'm i mean yeah i i completely agree because i had um it's really encouraged me to go out and apply for more jobs if anything it's really encouraged me to go oh okay so i actually am maybe like on like sitting on that threshold of of getting something and um or at least you know in my mind that that's how i how i saw it um so that's like kind of kind of force force me to go there is something here i can i can i have some value i suppose it's a daft thing to say but like that is um that that's where I was at. Like I like I I might as well not apply to any jobs because I know I'm not there yet. Um, yeah. Isn't the case, you know what I mean? 
I know, we both we were both in that last month we were both like, Oh, there's a job here but I'm not gonna apply because obviously I won't get it and it, it, there's a job yeah. here and I won't apply because obviously I won't get it and then I don't know what switched in us both. I guess it was the, the actual finishing of the course and the re- reckoning of oh fuck, now I've got to make money. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Necessity. <laughs> the dog biting your ass. It's like, oh, geez, I don't want to be, you know, I love my family to death, but I don't want to be stuck at home with them for, you know, longer than I need to. Uh, it's just, it's like, you know, I think everyone sort of struggles with that, right? Like all of my graduate friends who've had to go home is like, they want to get out immediately just because it's, you're used to your independence. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, as I said before, like I'm saying, my mum, like you know, I, I love my mum, but I, I, I'm really looking forward to like making the next step in like my life and my career, and like maybe just like, and I, I say this now, it probably probably won't happen. Like, um, giving myself a bit of an opportunity to think about other aspects of my life, not just my career for for a little bit, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, you've done a diligent. Uh, short little 13 years of being uh, functional about nothing but career and then also some travel but like by the sounds of it you were I don't know man it's it's quite inspirational to hear you talk about how like long you've been grinding at this concept art milestone thing like when did you join think... conceptartist.com I, I joined I joined back when I was 13 but um, I, th- I think like um, it's been an on and off thing yeah I don't. I don't think I could. I could safely say I've been doing it for thirteen years. I think it's always been on the back of my mind of like that's what I want to do. Um, and and the, you know, there's been times where I was like, because I was there was a stint where I, I was working with a writer to make a comic, and um, which sort of just fizzled out. Um, as you said, you know, I went, went traveling for a bit and um, etc. etc. Uh, but I, I, so I couldn't say 13 years was like what I was really hammering away at. But it was when I started taking things seriously about four years ago is when I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And coming to university was a big part of that. And now I'm sure you can agree. Like, I feel like I've got the tools I need to improve. Because mm-hmm. half of what you learn at university is how to learn um, and how to think. Yeah. At least that that was my experience. Yeah, I think Uh, it's you're given the space to explore your beliefs about the subject matter at hand in a way that I don't think you really get that opportunity in any other place. You know, that was one of the key things that I recognized about going to uni uh, was that it's it's three years where you're being sponsored to just invest in this thing that you claim to want to do um yeah. and so yeah and so i don't think anyone is going to get given that out of pocket for no reason do you know what i mean like maybe there's a few like freaky stories with some random prince bef- befalling someone with fortunes but even then i think you'd probably get a bunch of stuff attached to it like i don't know um university is just like a free thinking space right like you're just allowed to explore concepts that you want to yeah and it's been really great um i wouldn't want to do it anymore <laughs> no i'm pretty uh you know there's a there's a there's a few people who want to do the masters and i'm like fair play to you but i i need to try before i need before i go back to academia because as great as it exactly. is there are a lot of things to it where you're just like all right this isn't the best or this could be improved and i like you know it's not to slag off the uni i think the course we went to is probably you know it's it's been touted it's been recognized as being one of the better institutions across the country for game development and having taken the course i can see why it's it's quite unique from what i understand of talking to people on other game development courses from around the country yeah so yeah exactly yeah um but it's just sort of having that um that student title under you and and Feeling like you can't make a step before the, the course is over was what really made me go, I'm not ready to do, I'm not ready to kind of go and do a, um, a master's now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, AD told me like, oh, you could do, you could go and do the master's. And I think it was down to the, trying to sell the master's, right? But, um, 
I thought I, I was just like I can't I, I can't do this again for a while. Maybe I'll go back eventually and do a masters or something. But yeah, well, now. maybe you'll go to Fengzhou Design Cinema, like design school, right? Like who knows? Like, yeah. You don't have to do your masters where you did your degree. No, no, and I don't think I would either. I don't think I'll go back to Falmouth. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I probably wouldn't. It depends. I mean, I'd have to see what was going on with the course, but there's like so many exciting schools around the planet, right? It's so. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where my head's at. It's like the, the world's fucking too big and too interesting to just be like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna go and go back to Falmouth and do do my degree, do my masters there. You know what I mean? Like I think I think things are just way way too cool. I don't know. I'm just excited to get out there and uh, and see how I do. And you know, from the yeah. from the looks of things, I mean, we've not even like finished the course technically. The expo is like final day of the course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, both you and I have had some industry response. Someone look at our stuff and be like, "That was uh, cool." <laughs> at least, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, which is just really sweet. And I mean, I suppose in a way, there is no bigger endorsement for Falmouth, right? It's like we might not go back there and do our masters, but it's like the fact that we're both being approached by companies to do exactly what we w- said we wanted to do at the start of third year sort of speaks to the quality of the education they give there right like exactly yeah and that and, and that's it and like i you know i've spoken to uh, nick dixon who's a senior lecturer on our course and he he wants to make the alumni um community a bit uh more hands-on mm-hmm. and still have a lot of like association with the the courses and the ga itself um which i'm all, all for you know what i mean i, I think that's it I think it's smart, right? Like, you know, when, when recruitment time comes around, if uh, if, uh, if there's a few, like, really hopeful or, you know, like our year, a lot of very hopeful, you know, prospects for, for going straight towards industry, it uh, makes complete sense for them to be connected with people who are potentially working at the companies they want to work at. Like, it's yeah, like, it's like all the talks we've had from alumni this year. I thought some, like, you know, most of, I, I didn't watch them all, so I can't say all of them, but, like, most of them were really, really good like and really inspirational, and it's and it's nice to see people going, we studied here, we did the course you're on, and we got into the industry, and this is our story, and it's just, like, it's inspirational. It gives you it gives you a reference point of humanity that's real, that you're like, that's tangible, I could do that too. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it gives you... It gives you like um, it's like a yard yardstick, you know what I mean? It's a it's a way to measure what what you're doing, um, and what they did when they were there. And see what's possible, right? Like I think it's yeah. like the four minute mile. Uh, no one could do it. Everyone was getting four oh three, four oh four, four oh nine. No one thought it was possible. Four minute mile impossible. One guy does it, two weeks later, everyone's doing it. And you're like, oh yeah, of course. It's just that mental barrier of thinking it's impossible that yeah. stops a lot of things. It's uh, it's like, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you didn't take. Like, Yeah, exactly. I think and that's what you'd have... I mean, we've had this conversation on this podcast before, but like, um, that's what university's about. Do you know what I mean? It's about having people around you um, to feel more like a community, kind of validate to you, like who you are, where you want to go, what you want to be. Um, and it's through that reinforcement that you, it, it sort of propels you forwards and gives you the confidence to go out and apply for the jobs. And, and, and you know, like I didn't think I could learn a lot of what I learned before university. Mm. Not because I probably didn't have the tools or the capability to do it, but just because I thought... This is who I am. This is what I'm about, and um, I don't do this and I don't do that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I never thought I'd learn 3D. Yeah, you had um, some self-defeating like, paradigms. Yeah, and so that's not me. That's I can't I can't do that. And it was only through being at university and sort of almost forced to do it, and and like being in production and realizing, oh no, like just drawing isn't going to get me there. Like I need to be a big part of this and. I need to be a big part of the production, and if I'm not, then I'm useless. I don't want to be here and be useless. I want to make something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I think it's. I mean, 
I mean, for me, it's been entirely formative. I don't think I would have even... I don't even know if I knew of VFX as a job role specifically. I knew, I mean, you know, I'd looked into the games industry a fair bit and stuff, and I knew, you know, a little bit here and there about stuff. But I didn't really think of VFX as its own thing or would have even considered uh, trying VFX because, you know, it's always touted as being super technical and really, like, like mathematic. And I was like, I just want to draw. I just want to paint. But, like, the more I, like, do VFX, the more I'm like, oh, no, that is also a part of it. Like, it's there's a massively technical side, which I've fortunately found very rewarding to learn. It's almost, I was saying to you the other day, I think, about how I originally was a scientist. I was like, I'm going to do pharmaceuticals or some shit, right? Like, I was, I was, I did chemistry and biology and maths at A level. Like, that was my courses. I flunked them all. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I did pass, but barely. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have done that if I didn't have an interest in science, right? Like, I think schools yeah. tend to push people towards the STEM subject. So that might have had something to do with the fact that I took those A levels. But I do love science. And it feels like the same part of my scientific mind, my explorer's brain, is being tickled by visual effects because it's all problem solving on things that it's... They're weird problems to solve, man. They're not... It's not like, how do I... You know, you know, from when I've tried to do concepts like, okay, I need to get this to match in three perspectives. It's like, how do I distort the image so that I get an inverse thing and then have it wobble and change over time but have it not come up as like sequential have it be like randomized and and it's just like there's there's such a level of like having to do research and find things and find papers on like other things and find how they apply to your your topic that's just so fascinating to me and i would have never found vf i would have probably never even looked at the effects if i hadn't have uh, come to uni yeah exactly um and that's why university is just is is so valuable. And like, in a, there is a, probably a, a thousand cases like that of like I didn't know that I didn't know that this is what I love to do until I came here and and figured it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because because there's plenty of people who come to, especially like game art and game development, who want to do concept art. Um, and people will like clock on actually real quick that that's it's not what I thought it was or it's not actually what I want to do or, you know, there's, I'm more interested in this and this. Or more just the likely, really stupid... I'm not good enough and I won't be for just years. The really, <laughs> just the really dumb and, dumb and stubborn ones hang on and, and insist that they're going to be a concept artist. Despite being told there are no jobs, you're never going to get a job, give up now if you want to be a concept artist out of uni. But, you know, some of us, some of us have just got the stick-to-itiveness. But I think that's beautiful, man, because you were tempted by all these other things, right? Like, you thought about being a character modeler to just get your foot in, but you realised that, no, this is truly what I want to do. And I think it's given you sort of a, a, like a level of dedication that maybe you could have never achieved if you hadn't have flirted with the idea of doing these other things. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I I completely agree. I there was times where I was like, maybe I could do, you know, maybe I'd just be go be an illustrator, and I was like, I can't, I can't do illustration. Like this is, I'll, I'll miss out on so much of what I enjoy about game development and just you know concept art and stuff like that. Um, because I was talking to the guys on the illustration course. Like I, I remember getting here and hating the idea of sort of like surrendering, um, you know working in 3D and photo bashing and like it was like oh no this is not what I want like I want to make you know awesome work and and it was not until like I really um like sat and forced myself to 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 break down those barriers in my head that I realized that like um I wouldn't trade working on games or movies or anything like that for having my work on like the front page of a like on the front cover of a book or in a magazine or something like that you know that's not why i do work and um it, it yeah it was i even thought spoke like to uh some of my students at one point about going into environment art because like i mean and i'm sure you know that like we get told all the time that environment art is like the best way to get into the industry i'm sure it really is but um doing something like, uh, ingenuinely, is not the way to get into anything. 
Yeah, exactly. They need to be able to smell your passion. Yeah, and if you're just doing environment art because, well, that's the best way to get into the industry, um, then you know maybe maybe like that you'll you'll still get into it. I'm not saying that's like There's this is the people with that process. Yeah, but um, make sure that you're passionate about it while you're still doing it because it's otherwise why would anybody hire you? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're not passionate about what you're doing in a creative industry, then what's the point of of hiring you yeah it's so true and also not just what's the point of hiring you it's like so you do this to get in and get to where you really want to be how long can you keep doing this if you don't actually enjoy it like is it one year is it two years is it 10 years are you willing to do what you don't enjoy for 10 years to get where you want to be or should you just take the blow take the hit be like it's going to take me another two years to get in doing what i want but i'd rather do what i want than get in under false pretenses and uh and yeah but for some people you know they they you know they change their mind they adapt their idea they they try something like because like environment art yes is a is a great way to get into the industry but i think that's the advice given to a lot of the students because they a lot of a lot of people in my experience they all want to draw everyone on the game art course at least was or not everyone but like the majority of people were like i like drawing i want to do 2d stuff and then the you know the uh the dream crushers came in no they weren't they weren't bad at all but they were just like it's really hard to make it into the industry with a 2d only portfolio yeah they just Um, gave us the truth and um and i think you know in terms of ways of getting into the industry i almost don't want to tell anyone but like there are a lot easier ways into the industry than environments there are things that they really need in the industry that are not being filled um from what i understand i'm not in the industry i speak as if i know I've listened to enough podcasts though to to and watched enough GDC talks to uh, to get a vibe on things that are really necessary. And from what I can tell, UI artists really desperately needed. Um, tech artists are like the hot flavor of the month lately. Um, yeah, tech re- Rendering and shader artists; those people are pretty in high demand as they are essentially wizards of the highest caliber, and no one knows how they do what they do um and then vfx artists are in pretty high demand um and sound effects i believe are also pretty high demand but again sound effects is not what you think it's not uh making nice music tracks it's making functional sounds for games which does include music tracks but but it's like anything in this industry it's like you're not going to get to make exactly what you want to make that is that is the reality of working on uh, in entertainment at all is you're working under one, you know, maybe one or maybe a few people's individual visions of what is they're trying to make. Yeah, you're trying to and, assist in the creation of some person's vision, and ideally, it's universally shared by the the team at hand. But a lot of times, it probably isn't. It's just like, well, that's what we got to do because I liked concept one, but the team voted for concept three, so I'm going to model concept three regardless of the fact that I liked concept one the most. Yeah, and. Um... Uh, you're you're concentrating solely on the the overall project. That that is the reality of of this industry, that you work for the project and not for what you think is cool. Like, and um, I think that's where a lot of people sort of fall down on this is that, um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, people kind of get into it because they're like, oh, I like drawing this or I like 3D modeling that or I like making cool music and stuff but sometimes especially like to begin with you're not going to be able to do that no those juicy amazing jobs that everyone wants well they're juicy and amazing and everyone wants them so you're going to have to be more competent or like it has to not matter enough um, that they can let you be the lead on something for like you know if, if you've got the lead the main character and it's like i want to design the main character's hair it's like too bad because there's a queue of fucking people out the door to design the lead character's hair and you just got here so sorry sorry chum um yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's not like that but it's like you've just got your first job in the industry compared to steve over there who's been here for 35 years or helga who's been here for 26 and specialized in hair for the last six like like it's <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like the, you're just not going to get given the main character job. So 
suck it up, buttercup, and get used to modeling chainmail, just drawing lots of chain. Do you know what I mean? Like, it depends what you're working on, yeah. obviously, but it's there is a lot of grunt work that needs to be done. And if you can take joy and pay attention to the fine details in the grunt work, then it won't be long before you're drawing characters' hair and, like, I mean, I just keep talking about hair for some reason. Don't know. Maybe I yeah, should. You're pretty obsessed with the hair, eh? Yeah, it seems like it. Anyway, I mean, um, I don't even fuck with hair. Fuck that. VFX, we make explosions, baby. It's so much fun. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I've dabbled with a bit of VFX, and I have to say, I can understand why you really like it. So it's, it's really fun. It is really fun. You just, you just, I don't know, it's so much more like flashy than uh than other art in in the games industry because most of the time it's like no you don't want people to like you don't want people to notice your art you want people to like look at it and be like taken aback by how beautiful it is but you don't like a lot of times like especially for environment artists it's about like highlighting a path right so like half or if not more like 90 percent of the objects you make need to blend they just need to become a backdrop as such but so often is the case like i mean obviously there are subtle effects that you need for things but like so often it's like no we want to blow up and look awesome and be all consuming and like do you know what i mean like uh like yeah i was watching a, a video for the, the the company that i got my art test with and uh like their the develop like their their head game director was uh they were like what makes it what makes a, a good shooter and he was like uh, when you press the trigger and feel almost tangibly the feel of the gun and the impact it has. And I was like, Oh dude, like that's, that's like so much like sound effects and VFX and like animation as well. But it's, it's like so much of that is just like having it feel real chonky and nice and like visual and obviously not distracting from gameplay, but like VFX is the place where you're centering your gameplay elements often, right? If you've got a, a shot hitting something or you push a button, you need some like, sparks or something to come off of it to show that there's the player has had an input put into the game yeah yeah i get it it's it's, it's, it's game juiciness right it is juice it is the juicy of the juice it's it's like it and sound effects are like twin brothers in terms of like carrying like the player interaction um, mm. in the game at least that's my personal belief um I mean, it's funny because, like, just like Candy, uh, a game of just the effects and sound effects is probably not really a game. Like, <laughs> it's like if you eat a diet of only candy, it's like you're not getting any nutrition. It's all just just this sugary deliciousness that's fun to to consume. But uh, there's no like, I don't know if there's much gameplay in just the effects and sound effects. Like, you need all the other stuff to actually have the core meaty part of the meal. But the but it's yeah. still fun to be working on the candy, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Though, like, you know, I know, I know that, like, this is not what you meant, but, like, Candy Crush is kind of that. I, yeah, I mean, I guess, but there's a lot of level design and stuff that goes into it that's more than just juicy pops. Yeah. Like, there's a whole model for how you progress through that game that keeps people coming back. The juice is what people are looking at and engaging with, and they... You know, Candy Crush, in a way, is probably an example of a game that's, like, mostly based on how juicy it can feel. And they do a superb job of it, but there's, I think there's a lot more meat that's maybe, like... Maybe it's more like a... Maybe it's more like an eclair, where it's, like, you've got some... You've got some mostly cream and sugar and chocolate, but, like, there is still that bready bit that just holds it all together. And without that, <laughs> you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have a delicious eclair. You'd just have a plate of cream with some chocolate on it. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of kind of what sort of makes me think of like, um, I don't know. I, 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 I hate to take this in a, a little bit more like kind of metaphysical way, but like, um, it's like the Taoism uh, belief that like, uh, you know, what makes a vase or a, or a, a cup useful? It's the emptiness in between, in, in like inside it. Yeah. Um, it. But, like, the actual physical thing about it is, like, the porcelain or the clay or the glass that makes up uh, the cup. Um, but it's the space in it that you, where you put the liquid or whatever um, that, that makes it a useful thing to, to have around. Man, 
That's such a beautiful metaphor, and I don't know that I've ever heard it before. And I think, in a way, that's sort of a perfect place to uh, to call a close to this, because we started metaphysical as shit, and now we're ending. And on now we're ending. Do you, want to, um, do you want to plug your shit? Where, where can people find you? If these people are like, I need to give this boy a job, where can they, where can they get hold of Nate Bedford? Um, so if you want to give, if you want to give me a like or a follow on, um, on ArtStation, you can find me at, um, artstation.com forward slash natbed, N-A-T-B-D. Um, if you want to give me a like and a follow on Instagram, you can find me at, um, NJ Bedford. Um, and I've just recently, uh, entered into the rookies, um, and you can, and I'm Nate Bedford on there. And if you want to give me a high five on both any of my projects or my rookies entry itself, that'll be greatly appreciated if you've got an account. Um, yeah, that's me. Ah, shit. Now I've got to put this out now rather than Cass's cause, uh, cause that's finished in what's like nine days, eight days. Yeah. So if I put it out you next, can Sunday, it next week, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, but it's still not enough time. I'll put this one out today. All right. All right. Good night. Love you. Bye.